listeners, it's me, Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor and nationally certified counselor. Welcome to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. Today, you will hear a candid and heartfelt interview with a young man by the name of Carlos. He's a college student who has aspirations of becoming a medical professional someday. We talk about his struggle with depression, anxiety, and history of suicidal thoughts. He speaks about his mental illness candidly and openly, including information about his diagnosis, treatment with medication, and therapy. I hope that as you listen to this episode, you find the hope, strength, and resilience in this young man's story. Thank you to Carlos for helping us hashtag fight the stigma for Mental Health Awareness Month. This is going to be part three of four of our series, which is called Hashtag Fighting the Stigma and Hashtag Mental Health Awareness Month. And so what I've tried to do is reach out to people that I know um, and ask them to come onto the podcast to talk about their own struggles with mental health because one... When somebody comes out and says it and says that they have a diagnosis and they say it in public, it can be very healing and cathartic for the person who's talking about it, but also for other people who are listening. Because what we're doing is interviewing people that have mental illness on the podcast we are fighting the stigma. We're saying, you know what, this is okay. These diagnoses are common and there's no reason to hide them. And just because it's an invisible illness doesn't mean that we shouldn't acknowledge it, right? I just want to introduce you today to my special guest and his name is Carlos. And I'm going to let him talk about himself and introduce himself. I'd really like for you to get to know him and I'm hoping that him opening up on this podcast will help someone out there. So I appreciate you being here and I appreciate you talking about your struggle and and your story. I think it's very important. So tell us about yourself. All right. So um, my name is Carlos. Um, I'm 22. I study biology and a biomedical concentration at UTEP. I want to be a doctor, ultimately, um, an oncologist, to be specific. All I've ever studied is biology. You know, all I've ever known is science. So at heart, I'm a true scientist. I also did hair for a little while, which I think would fall under science because all I did was color. <laughs> so oh, cool. color was a big thing in the chemistry, especially. Yeah, 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 chemistry. All that stuff was a big part of my life. And that's what I did right out of high school. Um, so now I'm going to tell you about uh, how I think it's important to address being aware of being depressed because there may be signs or you may feel like you're not being yourself. You may feel like something is off. You may feel like there's a a bad vibe. Um, and, you know, you may be feeling like this for months or even years. And you're asking yourself, why? Why am I like this? And that happened to me. I wondered if something was wrong with just the way I I was born, I guess you could say. A lot of it was blamed on myself by me and a lot I blamed on my surroundings which would fall under you know my dad having left at an early age my mom always being uh, the head of house always struggling and me trying to help her and uh, you know little things like that I think contribute a lot to 
um, somebody's anxiety, which is only a wing of the depression symptoms. Yeah, they are um, super related. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was diagnosed in 2015 by a psychiatrist with um, major depressive disorder and um, panic disorder, as well as anxiety and OCD. And I was uh, immediately put on a medical regimen. I was put on Prozac and Clonopin. If you guys uh, don't know what that is, the chemical names are uh, fluoxetine and uh, clonazepam. I, I was at the psychiatrist and I didn't know why. But then I thought back and I, I started asking myself, well, what else can I do? Who else can I see? Who else can I talk to? Mm-hmm. And I was in a relationship at the time that I was actually not living at home. I was living with with him. You know, his name's going to remain anonymous. And in this in this relationship, it was it was actually very the dynamic was very strange because of the way he addressed my depression. Mm-hmm. Um, he would kind of push me to go get looked at or to go get checked or to what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't do it in a friendly or I want you to get help type of way. Okay. He did it in a you're not yourself, you're being, you know, very negative, very discouraging. Sounds like he wasn't very nice about it. He started telling me, you, you don't act like this. You don't get up until 1 p.m. You don't. And, and he started telling me, you know, he... He cheated on me and all that stuff because, uh, I mean, I thought it was because of me. I blamed myself. Do you think that, so the depression symptoms you were having, to somebody who didn't look at it as depression, maybe they labeled it as like, is he lazy? Like, is he not doing something with his life? Is he not ambitious? Like, what? You know what? I think it was a lot of... uh, cockiness to be honest with you because this person's uncle was a physician mm-hmm. i mean is a physician and he would tell me you know my uncle would tell you this if you saw him and my uncle will tell you this or, or give you this medicine or give you this so he was condescending kind of what i'm getting at okay because he does have a, a degree in psychology mm-hmm. and he would always use that against me Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was just to be malicious or if it was because I was really not being myself. So you couldn't tell if it was him or your depression. And I didn't know if what was affecting my relationship was me, my depression, or if it was just everything together. Because this guy, it's not a good guy, let's just say that. It um, was a big mix. It was a big mix. Everything yeah. together, like, impacting. It was like opening a can of worms when mm-hmm. he told me to go see a psychiatrist. And part of me is glad I went. Because um, aside from the therapy, the the drug therapy he gave me, he also tried uh, talk, to talk to me about it, which is not easy, especially with men. Mm-hmm. And especially men my age, um, men that are going to approach their mid-20s or in their early 20s. Or somebody that's being as stressed out as I am with school, because I know that's a lot of us. They require so many things, and I've always stayed on track, I want to say. So it's a lot of pressure. It's and a then lot of so pressure. to have to go to somebody that is like a peer, mm-hmm. like somebody who's close to your age, or even this boyfriend that you had at the time was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard for you to kind of open up to him. I couldn't tell him anything, actually. I couldn't even tell him I'm feeling sad, you know, because he, mm. he would on, on like, 
instantly he would tell me like this is what's wrong with you this is what's wrong with you uh, and i wouldn't okay. so like instead that. of being gentle about it like he was you're being sad, very aggressive about it and i it. think you need like some help or something because you're like really sad and i know that these are some of the symptoms blah 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 but he was like no you just need to do this yeah and it was he was very being pressuring. very controlling yes okay i don't know if my mind was too involved in trying to actually get treatment like he told me to to not even say anything to my mom my dad my sisters you know i kept it very private Mm -hmm. and um i to this day i still don't know why i didn't want to say anything there's and there's nothing wrong with with feeling like you're in a funk or feeling depressed but when you can't get out of it Mm -hmm. is that that's when it starts you know to bother you and um that's when I think these feelings of what is wrong with me start to show up. So, and for example, in my case, I slept all day long. So I would see the sun, like, you know, cracking through my window, through my blinds. Mm-hmm. And I still wouldn't get up. I still didn't have any desire to go outside. I didn't want anything to do with anybody. Okay. And uh, that continued even throughout UTEP throughout me being a hairstylist and that was before i addressed it so So even though you were depressed and you you kind of knew at this point like i'm not getting out of bed the sun's coming out i really don't want to do anything which is what we call vegetative depression by Mm -hmm. the way Mm because you're just kind of there like frozen like a vegetable right and but still throughout that you were somehow making it to school and somehow doing your job and you know what to tell you the truth i I was doing my job, but I was I had reduced significantly the time I was at work. I showed up when I pleased and I left when I pleased. So oh, I okay. would book maybe one client every two days. That's okay. how bad it got. And oh, when so it I went like from work. when I went from having eight clients of highlights per day to having two in a week. A week. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so, so your workload reduced. Yeah, and my rent obviously went up for the salon, and things got financially hard, which I think aggravated my depression a little more. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is still while I was thinking, well, should I, should I get help? Should I get help? And then well, when I went to that psychiatrist, he confirmed it, mm-hmm. right? But he didn't really confirm it in a gentle way either. Which is why I do now, and yes, it's weird to say now, because three years after going to the psychiatrist, talking to somebody about what you feel is so much more important than being given a prescription. I mean, they go hand in hand, don't get me wrong, prescriptions help, Mm -hmm. but when you talk to somebody, I see now, because I have lately, um, it helps you release whatever you're feeling and you know if especially with somebody you trust and they can give you feedback on how you've been acting for example my sister will tell me why are you acting like this and now i can tell her well i feel like today is not a good day or i feel like today i'm low motivation today Mm -hmm. and things like that she tells me well there's nothing wrong with that the the fact that you told me that is actually a step to helping you and i was like versus keeping it in. versus keeping it yeah. in and mm-hmm. that's pretty much the point of what i want to talk to you guys about because being a male and being gay and uh being in this age group is uh it's not easy as uh you know millions and millions of americans are bullied every day mm-hmm. um 
and I'm I'm not saying I was the exception because I was bullied and uh, not as frequently. I mean, I'm I I, I look pretty scary sometimes when I want to look scary. Uh, <laughs> like, so, don't mess with yeah, me. Yes, so I was very you know about that subject. I didn't really let people get to me, but when it came to my depression, I'm gay and I'm depressed, so there's just all these wrong things with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's to me that was like whoa. Like, um, first, first, it's I'm gay because I was born that way, right? Yeah. And now I'm, it turns out that I'm depressed and that I have panic disorder and that I have, you know, all this, etc. Kind of, you know, it, it, it does hit you in the face at one point when you say, I'm trying to help myself and I don't know how. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure a lot of people feel exactly like that. Is I, I want this help, but I don't want to go speak to anyone. I want to let this out, but I don't know how. Right. I want to get rid of these feelings of anxiety or these feelings of just uh, being eager to do nothing. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense yeah, at all. Yeah, it does. Um, it does make sense where you just want to do nothing. Yeah, it's because not- you just, you're fixated on, I need to do nothing. I need to stop what I'm doing and just do nothing. Do nothing. And, like, yeah. and that's what I would think sometimes and i ended up losing my 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 job because of that because i elected to take a little bit of a break before i got sued because of something i did wrong because i was not in my correct mental state or what have you i look back and and i say well why haven't you know why are people so reluctant about therapy and therapy, mm-hmm. not drugs. I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking more talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can kind of, you know, being a guy. I mean, yes, I'm gay, but I'm still a guy. You know, guys are especially in this area that we live in, um, in the borderlands. <laughs> you know, the machismo is real, real hard. And uh, some people go their whole lives without even you know, coming out because their families are very, very against it or they joke around about it really um aggressively and i've seen that firsthand mm-hmm. you're uh, talking about the machismo attitude and and being gay and being gay and then like how people and that mixes are homophobic in, yes and, and that mixes into depression because yeah. it only aggravates everything right. and it's like oh my god now my you know my family if this was me and my family was one of those families that just makes jokes and is homophobic like you know i I would have been depressed a long time before i was but i i'm thankful that i never had a family that judged people i know are going through that it's really just unfair in my point of view it's unfair Mm -hmm. because there's something that you need to address which is the depression but they're not letting you even advance with it because they're pounding you down about something else that's not even relevant yeah about your identity like you can't even be yourself around your family because they're so hateful yeah imagine being gay like you i'm already trying to hide my depression Mm -hmm. and then having to hide the fact that you know my sexuality is Mm -hmm. is another big thing and in this podcast, I really hope I do reach out to, to people, male and female, that that have the same issue. Because me, the primary reason why I never wanted to open up about my depression was because I didn't know how that therapist or how that person was going to judge my 
lifestyle choices. You or were uncertain. My, yeah, I was very mm-hmm. uncertain about what they would think even. Mm-hmm. Knowing they were professionals and all that, I still had my doubts. Yeah, and I yeah. still had, you know, what are they going to think of me? Even therapists. And I mean, I'm, that's not a, a thing that doesn't happen. You know, you think that it, about everybody. It, exactly. Right. It's almost like I was thinking about this in my car the other day. And I don't know what you think about this term. But, you know, there's coming out of the closet when you're gay. But then there's also coming out as having depression. Yeah. Because I think there's there was a lot of stigma. I I think there still is in our area, like you said, there's still a lot of stigma around being gay um, because there's a lot of machismo, traditional Mexican culture, Mm -hmm. Catholicism is very heavy in our area, right? Oh, yeah. But then also there's machismo and all that other stuff culturally against having a diagnosis. Like, if you're depressed, you have to, like, come out with it and, like, admit it. And then there's, like, shame and then there's uncertainty, like... If I come out and say that I'm depressed to my family or to my significant other, mm-hmm. what are they going to think of me? They're going to think exactly. I'm crazy. They're going to think I can't function. They're going to think I used to be in a straitjacket. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah they that's... go to this extreme. So it's almost like you had to come out twice yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you're exactly right. Because it's like, <laughs> yeah, I used to be in a straitjacket and now I'm telling you I'm gay type of thing it's yeah, a double so it's whammy a double stigma yeah thing. it's yeah mm-hmm. it's like you're exactly right that's so hard however i do want to point out the fact that you are still here mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's strength and resiliency right Thank you. because yeah. it could have just defeated you you could have just been like all right cool i'm done with this life because it sucks mm-hmm. but you're like no like I, I know something's wrong, I'm going to fix it, and I yeah. have dreams, and I have a career that I'm looking forward to, and so I just got to keep going. So I think it's super brave, one, that you're, you know, in the podcast, yeah. you're talking about your depression, but also you've continued living, like, throughout that, because I think a lot of people do give up, or they do give in to suicide. Yeah, um, and I'm not going to tell you I was immune to that, mm-hmm. because obviously I had my, my thoughts of why should I even keep going, but... Let me tell you something, whoever's listening, the, the, you're here for a reason, whether you believe in a higher being or not, you're here for a reason, whatever that is, you know, fulfill it. These things like depression and having to come out of the closet and things like that are definitely something that can knock you on your, on your butt pretty hard knock you on your ass yeah oh okay cool cool (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's like um like you said an invisible illness it's it's an invisible illness because for example let's say i tell jane doe that i have depression and she tells me oh that's not a real thing you're just you know you're you're having a phase you're you're passing through something oh it's a phase it's a phase what are you depressed about exactly exactly and i I agree yeah i'm (laughs) i agree about that i have everything you know i have a family i have a support system i have education i have the things that i need to to live my life but inside my brain there's a whole nother storm of ideas Mm -hmm. And that is the storm I'm trying to push to the side sometimes to allow me to continue my path. Because if I let that storm overtake my path, then there's not going to be any path left 
for me to be on. Yeah. So it's a constant battle. Yes. And a lot of people don't see they, they it. think it's a, a treatment course of 12 month antidepressant and you're done and you're never going to be depressed again. But mm-hmm. no, no, it's not like that. I can't tell you if I was born with it or if I carry a gene or if anything like that about my depression. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that I never it's not like I picked it. I didn't choose to become depressed. Let go depressed. choose to be sad exactly. and depressed and think yeah. all these shitty things 24-7. Yeah, yeah, I no. just want to choose it. Yeah, like, and well. then to tell people about it <laughs> mm-hmm. is just even worse because it's like, okay, like you said, what are you depressed about? Was the number one question I got asked. Mm-hmm. And then the number two thing I got told was, uh, you have everything you need to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I told them, yes, I do. I, I know that. Get the falta. Exactly. I know I do. I'm aware. But <laughs> uh-huh. but there is always a but. There is one side of me that's always trying to hide my depression. Whether I'm having a really good day or I'm a really bad day. Yeah. My my mind is, is kind of programmed now, at least now, to mask whatever I'm really feeling. Mm-hmm. Even though I know I need to let it out later... I now know that I can function a little bit better by telling myself, and I'm going to tell you something that my little sister told me, and it's helped me for years, and she's four years younger than me. She's 19. Mm -hmm. She told me, you are your own best friend, and I had never heard that from anybody else, or never even thought of that, you know, and she she told me that once, and then she wrote it on my, on a little sticky note and put it on my, in my room, and that just totally changed my perspective on how, how I act or react there's a lot of things that depression does to you um any little thing can trigger you Mm -hmm. and it's like any little thing can trigger you and it can be life-threatening it's kind of like in the last episode i talked about how suicide is a permanent solution to Mm -hmm. a temporary issue or problem Mm -hmm. so but it's it's a it's a solution for the person but then again you leave all these people around you damaged oh yeah definitely traumatized yeah and 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 i think depressed people if they're exposed to seeing that firsthand and i again i thank and thank god and thank goodness that i don't have those feelings anymore but I was exposed to a suicide, and uh, mm-hmm. it was very a very close person that I, I had known for a while. Now, when that happened, it did two things to me. It raised my awareness mm-hmm. for what I have, and it also kind of brought me down. Because I said, if this person all of a sudden just stopped existing then how am I going to react if one day I just can't handle it anymore? Mm-hmm. No, that's scary to think. Yeah. Because yeah. what pushes you that far? Right. What gets you to what that What is that age? point? Like, what's the last straw? Like, yeah, what is it? Yeah. And I never want to find out what it is. So No, yeah. And that, 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 my sister telling me you are your own best friend helps me block those thoughts out and tell me, tell myself, I to literally have to tell myself out loud, you're your own best friend, you know, calm down, um, breathe. I talk to myself in these moments of, mm-hmm. of major anxiety and, and panic, and believe it or not, it helps. It helps. It, may I be driving or, or at work or just at home? It helps to tell myself, you're your own best friend. I can run out and tell 10,000 people about what I have. Mm-hmm. But who's really going to care about it? Me. 
yourself in the end in the, in end, the end it's you. at the end of the day those 10,000 people are gonna remember i told them i'm depressed but who's really gonna address it me you you me. are ultimately responsible and, for making that choice and I'm, I'm actually really glad that you invited me to speak with you because i unfortunately have had a lot of friends that have gone through the same thing and if any of those people are listening that cannot open up to it at all. Like, I, I was at one point that person. It's a lot easier than than you might think to open up about depression. And an example I have is I would type something on my laptop mm-hmm. and email it to myself. Oh, okay. And it was like, I feel like this, like this, and like this. And I would, um, I would do it, I would write it in the first person. Mm-hmm. And then I would send it, and then I would sign it as, please address this problem. As if I were sending it to somebody else. Oh, okay. So in my mind, it's like, okay, I got it, I got rid of it, I got rid of it. Like you put it somewhere. Mm-hmm. You put like, it in a container. It's in a it's container like- and it's airtight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I that's, nobody else is exposed. Nobody else is exposed to what I'm yeah. thinking. I'm as in, write that down. Right? <laughs> that for my clients. I'm like, send yourself an email. Yeah, like and a little you know, memo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I do that, and it's it's tough because I've sent myself very you know very intense emails. <laughs> yeah, you could say. However, you However, were able to express it later on when I read them again. Mm-hmm. That's when I was really like, wow. Like, this, while well, what I was feeling in this time period, it could be five minutes or five hours. Yeah. Whatever I was feeling in this time period, I don't feel right now well, mm-hmm. as I'm reading this email. Mm-hmm. You were able to separate it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not all the time. Yeah. This was just those five minutes or those five hours yes. or that day. Exactly. Doesn't mean that my whole life is like this. Yeah. And the perspective. Because people are depressed, I don't want them to think that that's it. That's the rest of their life is gonna be like that. Like me, I've I've I'm fairly young to have been able to work through you know the things I've worked through because I would have never <laughs> taken a 19 year old's advice, and I did, and it helped me a, a big time, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing, interesting. Yeah, and the thing about me emailing myself too, it helped me so much more than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And um, I did the same thing for some a boss that I used to hate, so that works too. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't case. let out your anger. Like, <laughs> there you go. Yes, I hate your guts. Right? But Seriously. send it to yourself. Yes, send like, it to don't, yourself. Don't reply all. Like, don't <laughs> don't accidentally just, put their name. Yeah, in there. don't don't get yourself fired. Yeah, but, let's um, not do that. But definitely, I, I sometimes I would have to, you know, let it all out. It was or just or it wasn't gonna harm anybody else, mm-hmm. or not harm but worry anybody else Mm. because for example my mom worries a lot about my condition Mm -hmm. because she she just wants the best for me like any mom does for their kids and when i tell her hey i'm not feeling good she worries right away because because of my past and my the point is to have a way to let it out yeah thank you for that now i want to transition into talking about medication i'm not a doctor right but I kind of can sense when it's needed. Mm-hmm. For example, if some somebody has moderate to severe depression and they've had it for a long time and, you know, they have, like, no motivation and um, they have anxiety and maybe their parents had depression or something like that or their sister, mm-hmm. then that kind of tells me that, one, it could be genetic. Mm-hmm. Two, they've been dealing with it for a long time. 
And then once you get to the low motivation stage, that's it. It's kind of like, what are you going to do? Right? Like, like you hit a plateau of nothing. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. if I have them in my office and I'm like, hey, we're going to work on your depression today. But they're not motivated. They're not going to do any of the homework, any of the recommendations that we say. Mm-mm. They may not even open up to us because... They don't trust us or they're just like, I'm going to sit here because I can't even talk. I'm so depressed. Yeah. Then that's when we'll, you know, recommend medication for Mm -hmm. depression, Um, even though I'm not a doctor. But it's kind of like you can get a sense of when people need it or not. It's hard for me to try to, quote unquote, sell medication to people. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, yes. I have to give them a lot of education. I'm not a doctor, but it's like, you know what? Like, I've seen that this works before, and I know that sometimes they don't get it right the first time, and you Mm -hmm. have to go through several cycles of different kinds of medication. Mm -hmm. For example, when I took medication when I was younger, and I took some stuff for anxiety and depression, they gave me one, and they hit it right on the nose, and it was fine. Mm -hmm. But that's rare. So why don't you take us through your journey of medication and what that was like for you? Yeah, sure. Okay, so um, when I first got diagnosed, I went in because I thought of bipolar disorder. Hmm. That's what I thought it was. And he told me... So, let me stop you there. So, uh-huh. how did you know or what did you sense that made you think that it was bipolar disorder? I just felt like I was swinging from one mood to the other in a really weird way. Like, oh. I would never be happy, but I would always be either angry or sad. Angry or sad. Angry or sad. So it was like these two extremes. Like yeah. Like down and, or no? But it was never a happy extreme either. Ah, okay. It was just sad or, or mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so it was not it was not bipolar disorder because mm-hmm. that's extreme happiness and then extreme sadness or extreme fear. Right, right. And the doctor told me he's like, No, 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 you're like you're not bipolar. And then he gave me a series of questions. This was a while back. I I don't remember the questions. But he came to the conclusion that I was... um, I had obsessive-compulsive disorder. And when I say that, you know, people may think of, like, you know, turning on the lights three times or four times every time you leave a room. Mm -hmm. Or That type of OCD, yeah. yeah. But I'm not... I have some of that with the cleaning and stuff because I need to know that it's, you know, whatever, it's clean. But he told me that my OCD was internal. And by that, he meant that it was in my brain. Like, it was on my mind all the time. Mm -hmm. That, for example, I had something that was stressing me out and I would just repeat it like a CD in my head mm-hmm. like for a week or more sometimes so or, you would just like ruminate yeah on it. yeah and I would dwell there. on on that and uh-huh. so he told me that you're obsessing over something that's not even relevant to anything mm-hmm. I'm like okay so then how do we address this and he started me off on um, an antidepressant, which is a SSRI, uh, called Prozac. And I uh, was on 40 milligrams every day. And about two, three weeks in, I started feeling, uh, you know, kind of weird. And then a little bit more in, I started feeling those, you know, kind of suicidal thoughts. But uh-huh. never to the point where I did anything about it because I knew I was aware that these side effects could occur. Mm-hmm. And so I told the doctor and um, with uh, with Prozac, there needs to be uh, medicine used with it. 
um, especially during the what we call the nadir curve. It's like the the learning curve of a, a medication. It's when your body's adjusting. So he gave me clonopin um, or clonazepam, and uh, that's what it's an immediate acting anxiolytic. So that would calm my panic like right away. Okay. So I was put on those two and. The clonopin I still take because I responded very well to it. The Prozac, I was just, no, I was just a mess with that one. And that's the one I think I would say kept me in bed the longest. Like you said, uh, in a vegetative depression Mm. was the Prozac for me. You know, and something that I want to just mention real quick about Mm -hmm. the suicidal thoughts. They always warn people about that, like on the commercials too, right? Mm -hmm. Like This may cause suicidal thoughts or actions Mm -hmm. and like you should notify your doctor right away. What ends up happening, um, especially when somebody has depression where they have a lot of low motivation, is that sometimes the Prozac, it seemed, like, worked to some degree Mm -hmm. to give you enough motivation to go through with Mm -hmm. suicide. So that's what can happen also. So, Mm -hmm. like, if you're taking an antidepressant and all of a sudden it's like... You were you had low motivation, then suddenly like oh I have motivation, hmm my plan for suicide might work. Yeah. Then that's that's kind of what happens is that it pushes you out mm-hmm. of that funk, but it not in a good into, way. Uh, yeah. yeah, it pushes you into this direction. So yes, I, I and you're right, <laughs> you're you're right because I I'm glad I stopped it when I did because he did tell me he's like these medications you can't stop abruptly at all because they're. Um, they have very, very ugly withdrawal symptoms. And so the second thing he put me on was uh, Lexapro. And that, I I didn't tolerate it just because I would get nauseous. I would get, uh, I would feel jittery. I would feel, I just felt really, really not myself. And I'm not, I'm not talking two, three days. I would give these. I would give these medications a chance. I would give them a month or so. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, speaking about antidepressants, they're they're designed to work within two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. So if you're not seeing an effect within those two to three weeks, then it's pretty possible that it's not going to work as well as the, do- the doctor thought or whoever intended. Right, because they build up in your system. Yeah, because right? it, it takes a while for your spinal fluid to basically send it up to your brain. Mm. you know so interesting yeah so um the third one that i was put on and this is very interesting because i was not on anything for i discontinued in 2015 the lexapro in may and uh we're in may of 18 right now so um i got put on wellbutrin in february of 18 this year uh, well, butrin or bupropion is the only antidepressant that I've tried that has helped me. The Wellbutrin took uh, two dose adjustments for me, you know, to have the right dose. Mm-hmm. And I was first put on an extended release pill, which worked all day long. But okay. I, only, I didn't feel any change. The way I described it to my doctor was, I am not better, but I'm not worse. Oh, so it kept me where I was. Yeah, was know what I mean, yeah, I was stable, mm-hmm. but I still didn't like how I felt. Mm-hmm. So then um, he tweaked it up and uh, told me to take twice that dosage, which is the published, you know, recommended dosage. Mm-hmm. And extended and delayed is very different because delayed it's actively releasing the ingredient, and in an extended tablet it doesn't start releasing it until you start metabolizing it. Oh, so you know it's and that's very very well known for 
anything for your mood, mm-hmm. for mood stabilizers and things like that. Yeah. So as, you know, Wellbutrin being my tier three drug, a few years later, I can say I finally found something that I take every day and I don't feel like I'm getting worse. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's actually, it's holding me up. Yeah. It's holding me up. And I feel like I'm slowly getting a little bit better because I don't have those thoughts of what's the point anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I always used to think, what's the point of getting up? Like, what's the point of going to medical school? Mm -hmm. What's the point of spending half a million dollars in student loans and then having to pay them all back? And I'm still depressed. Mm -hmm. So I always had those thoughts. And then this medication, thank God it worked for me. It may not work for everybody because I've read, you know, I've read reviews online that it was the worst thing ever for some people and the best thing ever for other people. Yeah. And with every drug, it's like that. Yeah, you know? with every drug. It doesn't work for yeah, everybody and, exactly the same way. And just because I, I mentioned that Prozac and Lexapro didn't work for me doesn't mean that they don't work for other people. Right. Because I know they a lot of... They possibly could work yeah. for somebody else. Yeah. And, and so another thing is my doctor also put me on Xanax as a short-acting uh, anxiolytic for the panic attacks that I that I got. I start feeling like an abdominal pain, like in my chest, and then I start feeling real dizzy, mm-hmm. and then I start feeling like real cloudy, and from that I start to cry without even knowing that I'm crying, mm-hmm. and then of course hyperventilating because my body needs the carbon dioxide, and uh, and all those things start to happen, right? And so that's a full-blown panic attack. Right. And people yeah. don't really know the components of a panic attack, but that's what they are. Mm-hmm. It's your body trying to regulate the chemicals in your brain and, you know, the chemicals in your blood. Talk to us now about how medication and other treatments have changed your life for the better. I used to think I was useless and that I was not ever gonna become anything you know and i can proudly say now that i'm on my third rotation with an oncologist and i have a publication in el paso physicians magazine that i did in december of 2017 and i did try because if you don't try it's it's not gonna go away it's not just something that you take a pill and it's gone Mm -hmm. and i'm not trying to make it sound that way but um, I did put a lot of work into it myself because I had to start a routine. For example, I started getting up earlier, mm-hmm. which actually improves your mood. Um, I started, <clears throat> I started getting, of course, being more active. In this podcast, I want people to understand, especially from, you know, being a, a gay man <laughs> in a city where everything is, like you said, uh, real heavy Catholic and. Mexican culture, um, machismo, that Hispanic uh, way of bringing up a, a boy, especially mm-hmm. of having a boy and raising him like to be the man of the house. And I still am. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take away me being a male or me being a man. And in the past, sadly, it I thought it did. Mm. And I, I think I think that may have contributed to a little bit of my depression. Mm-hmm. And I didn't start to really think about the, the depression and gay having to do with it until I got a little older and until I was in that relationship and, you know, et cetera, until yeah. he told me to 
to go get checked, which it was kind of like a blessing in disguise because if this guy would not have pushed me that hard, I probably would not have fallen into that series of bad events, which led me to the right one, mm-hmm. which was the medications that never worked until I finally got one that worked for me. Yeah. And so when I hear you talk, it's interesting because I can tell that you're not as depressed as... I, I can't imagine it because I didn't know you at that time, right? But I'm hearing things like, it was a blessing in disguise, mm-hmm. or I have these hopes for the future, and things like that. And when somebody's depressed, they don't talk like that, mm-hmm. right? No, They're like, I was always like, shitty, yep. and I hate my life, and I don't want to be here anymore, and what's the point? Yeah, and I would sit on my bed and be like, um, why, a doctor? Why? There's no point. Hmm. They're gonna. My patients are gonna die anyways. There's no point. And so the other thing I wanted to address is, you know, how you were talking about what your little sister told you about mm-hmm. being your own best friend and how that was a form of like positive self-talk and mm-hmm. positive affirmation. You're like, I started talking to myself. Mm-hmm. But the way I see it is that you were always talking to yourself. Yeah, in a way, yes. Your voice for a long time was a negative self-talk. So you were talking to yourself, but it was negative. But and now I you chose started, to block it. Yeah. yeah, and now you're like, okay, I'm going to do positive self-talk. So mm-hmm. you were still talking to yourself, right? But yes. now it shifted into, I'm my own best friend. I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I have people who love me. I have dreams and aspirations for the future, like yeah. things like that. And yeah. I, I really want the people who are listening to take that into consideration because if... I and I'm going to tell you I hit a really low point because of the, the the things I went through in particular that year 2015 I hit my lowest point that I possibly that and then I hit an even lower point so Just I was when like you thought you couldn't get exactly lower. <clears throat> it went lower mm-hmm. so yeah. for people that think they've hit rock bottom <clears throat> and then hit it again there's there's always a possibility of of you coming back out of it because if I'm here in this in this room with you talking about it, it's because I want to help and I want to be a voice for somebody um, that can't have their own voice about it. Mm-hmm. Or not yet, at least. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. Because yeah. like I did, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't have been sitting here a year ago or two years ago mm-hmm. if you would have invited me. Yeah. <clears throat> I wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll let it out with you and I'll, you know... It's a big thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's a sensitive topic, and um, and like you said, yeah. Now, now the, that you said it to me, I I did improve, and I improved with positive self talk, with the medications. But you know, taken as as the doctor told me to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, always, 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 never t- <laughs> just stop a medication or start one. But. Um, also, with a good support system, is you know everything can change. Another thing is you surround yourself with the bad, with the wrong types of people. Chances are you're not going to be too happy with your life. Yeah, and, and I I think something important also was how you said that you were you know displaying the symptoms in front of your family, right? Mm-hmm. But. I think sometimes we have a hard time labeling what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, maybe he's just really angry or he had a bad day or he's not sleeping enough or something like yeah. that. But it's like, well, it could be all of that. But it's also, it has a label. It's called depression, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I think 
if people are telling you something, the people you live with that you're closest with, like, hey, I haven't talked to you in a long time, or, uh, you know, our relationships are on the rocks here, like, mm-hmm. what, or, you know, you're getting pissed off a lot, and I don't understand. Something could be going on with that person. Yeah. And confronting them, but in a gentle way, is yeah. going to be important. So, you know, thankfully, that person in your life did confront you about it uh however the way you do it i think is important so if you're if you were to give advice to significant others out there or family members out there about helping a friend or family member through depression what would you tell them first of all you come on really really easy because any little thing like i told you any little thing would trigger me Mm -hmm. so i could be for one day, I'd be like, hey, are you okay today? I noticed that you're kind of ad, like on edge, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, I'll see another sign. Only because this would be me. This is how I would address it. Okay. And I would tell them again the next day, like, are you sure? You don't want to talk about anything? You know, things like that. And that's, I think, the best. You asking them open-ended questions mm-hmm. is the best way to address it because if you're like i think this you're already assuming something Mm. and that's never okay when you're depressed because when i was you know in my worst lowest point and people would tell me i think you're just going through a phase or i think you're just those two words i think that start of the beginning of that sentence itself would already shut me down it's like oh god here it's comes an, another person it's a, an instant trigger for you yeah. to block it out okay you that know? makes sense yeah, <laughs> yeah so what you're saying is for people who want to confront somebody about their possible diagnosis or mental if illness. you're not if you're not a professional at least because if you're a That's professional <laughs> yes if you're yeah. a professional you know how to confront people right. uh, or how to approach it but if you're a friend and or if you're uh in a relationship with this person then obviously it's gonna hit way way harder you know to you yeah, than if true. a therapist asks you what or tells you i think it's this because you're gonna value their professional opinion Right, that's true. But um, what professional opinion do I have if I'm your friend and I'm over here, like, telling you, I think you have this. Yeah. It's just something that, to me, is a little Mm one-sided. And um, it tells me that they're not really that open to listening to me. Mm -hmm. So I would just use that same tactic with somebody else. Also, if you're the one that's depressed, you have to also put in your part. You can't just wait for somebody to rescue you Mm -hmm. because it's not an illness that like i said that you can get surgically fixed and boom bada bing it's gone Mm -hmm. no wouldn't that be nice wouldn't that be it would be great it would be great but it no it's, it's something that you yourself need to work on and you have to have a good support system Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, it can spiral, like you said. It can push you into that way instead of this way. Right, exactly. And it's it can be really, really dangerous. I think that you make a really good point about just being open and supportive. I think in our culture, it's hard because of the stigma, right? So, like, some things that I've heard from, quote-unquote, supportive family members tell mm-hmm. a person who's depressed or has anxiety things like, ¿Qué te pasa? ¿Por qué estás llorando? Like, mm-hmm. right away panicking. Like, what do you do? Why Why are you crying? What's wrong? What's and like, wrong? They're the or ones like, that are mad. Yeah. yeah, or like, 
stop crying. What's wrong with you? Like the George Lopez joke, right? Like you're not happy. I'll get you a happy meal. Cover. <laughs> right. Yeah. <there> you <laughs> kind go. of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's comical, right? But it, sometimes it does come across as really harsh and like, what's wrong with you? You can't have these feelings. So the stigma is that if you show any other emotion aside from happy or angry, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong. Yeah. And you're crazy. Right. Exactly. And so <laughs> I think it's important that you did say to be open and to ask open ended questions and just being available. Yes. Right. Not like that will I let think me you have this. Yeah. Cause yeah. if you, you asked me, Hey, um, no, not even asked. If you told me, Hey, if you ever want to talk to me about this, you know, just give me a text or give me a call. I would feel like I feel I want to text her. I want to call her. Right. Like, oh, cool. Okay. You know, yeah. it's not like, oh, she thinks I'm crazy. I'm not going to text her or anything like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, she already, she's already judging me. Or, you know. Yes. That, and if you're a that. therapist, because I've known a few in the past that mm-hmm. have acted in that way. And they're very direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, run the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, I mean, if some people, I don't know who, but some people may feel comfortable with that approach. But I feel like a therapist should be understanding and open and have unconditional respect for their client. Like, look, I understand that, you know, you're using drugs or you're doing this or you're doing that. And I get why it's ha- like, I know why you're doing these things. It's not like you woke up one day and was like, I'm going to be bad you know yeah like, yeah yeah we know that there's a story behind it exactly so and you can't just go up to someone and get mad at them for it like, you know it's yeah. like okay there's a reason hold on like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk about this back so, it up a little yeah, back, and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then we'll figure out why when you have a therapist and now this is a, a topic for for people that they may be thinking about like okay so what if i do want to get therapy and i have a very shitty therapist okay well <laughs> it's happened to me because of it's like to me too. the one at UTEP. Um, there's a counseling center there, and I went after after a lot of people suggested, like it's free. You can go, you know, as long as you're a student, you you don't have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. That was my main like. All right, I'll give it a shot. I don't have anything to lose. I don't have any money to spend. Like, it's not going to hurt me financially. Right. <clears throat> so I went, and she she was a student, and that's not what bothered me. She was working on her PhD, and, um, and that's not, again, that's not what bothered me. But she was already in that setting of, I think you're like this because of this. Oh. I think A plus B equals C. Like, she analyzed you, and she knows exactly what happened. And w- within story. 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm like... Mm, wait i haven't even told you about the last <laughs> hold on like that was just last yeah. week you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. i'm like this <laughs> i haven't told you what happened three years ago right so right. therapists that are like all right okay i get you that's this is what it is here you go right that's also something you want to avoid because that can that itself is also an indicator of not somebody not being open about it mm-hmm I feel like I have to do this thing where I have to apologize for something a previous therapist has said to them. Like, I'm sorry that they said that to you. That's Mm -hmm. not how it should have been. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And you felt judged or you felt worthless or you felt whatever, ashamed. 
and you should never feel that way with your therapist. There yeah. are times where therapy's gonna be hard. Oh yeah. Therapy's not gonna be easy a lot of the time, and we're gonna make recommendations that are difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, we can never tell you what to do. We can yeah. never give you direct advice like, oh, you should break up with that guy. What the hell? Yeah. Like, <laughs> as much as we're thinking about it. In I mean, the back if you told me head, that right now, I'd be like, hell yeah. You know? <laughs> Like, okay, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. But, but we should never do things like that or ever, you know, oh, I think this is what's going on in your life. And mm -hmm. it's like, lady, you know me for two seconds. Mm -hmm. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I think that we have to hold back that impulse because we might be thinking that they are the expert. You are the expert on your life. I didn't, I walked in two seconds ago. Exactly. You are the expert of your life. You know what happened, when it happened, how it happened, and how it made you feel. Mm -hmm. That's the information I need, not... Mm -hmm. This is what you should do. Now go fix it. It's yeah. like... And then come back when you're done, when you're fixed. Yeah. That's, that was like right. her what? point of view, Imagine? you know? Imagine, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> that would be an easy job, easy I think. Easy fix. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's, it doesn't work like that. It right. has a very difficult dynamic and it's, like I said, different for everybody. So, and you know what? You have to put your pride aside a little bit also. Because mm -hmm. it's not going to just fall out of the sky. Because I, I was like, okay, I, I had a bad psychiatrist and a bad therapist. That doesn't mean that they're all bad, you know, so. Which is something a depressed and, person would not think. Exactly. Right? And now that I'm, you know, a little better. Yeah, now that you have some more. I like, recognize mm -hmm. things like that. Um, as opposed to when I went to that one therapy, therapy session, I was like, oh, God, hell no, never again, you know, mm -hmm. with anybody. I actually had to push through all this without without the therapy because i only tried it two or three times and i was i was like you know shut down i was so shut down at that point that i couldn't i couldn't tell them what i was there for yeah so like, what's the point up to yeah what's the point of going exactly. if i can't talk about it you know i've had bad therapists in the past and even when i was little because when i was little i had anxiety and i've talked about that on the podcast before and something that is my like thing i feel like it's my personal life mission is to be who I needed back then and not repeat those mistakes that those therapists made. And so, you know, you have the chance as a future doctor, right, mm -hmm, to, mm -hmm. you know what it's like to go through something like this. You know how to identify it in yourself and probably how to identify it in other people. So I think that it is a good thing that you are going into a helping profession because you have that experience and then you can give hope to other people, right? Yeah, and, and also, you know, kind of a little bit off topic. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with like, being, being a future doctor that I know how to spot it on other people. But I've had doctors that are so bad that, like you said... I also want to be that good doctor that I wanted to see when I was little. It all really comes down to the individual when, when you know, being depressed, it's, it has levels. It really does have levels. And somebody that, that is barely falling into it feels way different than I do right now. You know, I hope that this, what I've been speaking about, opens people's, you know, minds a little bit and... The simple fact that I'm sitting here today, like you said, that I'm I'm alive. I mean, I'm here and I haven't decided to stop. You know, I haven't decided to stop living. I haven't decided to stop with my medical career either, which is something a lot easier than suicide. But depression is a real thing. It is a very real thing. 
and it is not uh, untreatable. It is treatable, mm-hmm. and it is definitely um, something that you can overcome. If you feel alone, make it a point to not be alone. Yeah, and there are so many ways, I think, now to get in touch with people than before. Yes. You know, like, there's support groups. There's a, um, one for my medication, just strictly that one medication. It's a chat room for Wellbutrin, and it's, you know, little things like that have helped me. And all those little things kind of put my mind at ease. And like I told you, the emails that I sent to myself also, little tricks like that of letting it out, having an open mind and believing that you really can get better will help you get better. I want to say thank you for coming onto the podcast, for helping us hashtag fight the stigma i appreciate you coming on here it's very brave of you i think thank you and i'd love to have you back carlos taught us that it's possible to recover from mental illness with consistent treatment and by leaning on his support networks if you or someone you know are battling depression understand that this is an invisible illness but that there is hope for the future For immediate counseling from the National Suicide Prevention Hotlines, you can text the number 741-741 or call 1-800-273-8255 any time of day or night. This is Crystal Martinez Acosta. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist.